Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDailySports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDailySports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in WinBig or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation! We are back, and I've missed you. I missed last week. The Knicks stink. Who cares about basketball? Golf is back. We're going to Texas. Uh, the Byron AT&T, Byron Nelson. We're heading to Craig Ranch. TPC course. It should be an interesting tournament in terms of the field. You have Scheffler. You got the top dog. After that, we're grasping for straws. But. But we are going to find the plays. You know, we've said this before. Sometimes it's these tournaments that we actually have the bigger edge on because it's not the obvious plays, right? Everyone can go out there and play Jordan Spieth and John Rahman with money, but it's the guys down here that you can handicap that can actually give you a real edge. See ya. How you doing tonight? I'm good. I actually just uh, quote tweeted our show out and I said, hey, listen, because you brought up basketball. I said, listen, put the Celtics Sixers on mute. Like you can still watch it. Put it on mute and come draft some lineups with us because I think you're right. I, I think there's an edge this week, and I think I'd like to think that some of the lineups we draft on this show are going to prove that edge. But I'll tell you what, feeling pretty good. Um, you know, last week on my my DFS lineup for for the PGA Draftcast, it did have Sam Burns and Jason Day in it. They missed the cut on the number. Otherwise, the lineup was actually pretty good. I believe it had Wyndham Clark in it, uh, among others. But speaking of Wyndham Clark, both David Bileski and myself. And it's in the Win Daily Sports Discord. It's under the betting tab. Like we put all of our matchups and, and everything we've got. Uh, we both had Wyndham Clark at 75 to 1. So really excited that not just one of us had that, but two of us had that. And we had a lot of tickets that I noticed. Um, it's really good stuff. Listen, when you, when you hit any sort of outright, it's great. But especially Wyndham Clark, where, you know, a lot of us were kind of on this Wyndham Clark thing where it's like, he's going to win soon. Like, it's just a matter of time. And boom, it happened maybe even a little bit earlier than most people expected. And that's why we got the 75 to 1. So super proud of that. And 75 to 1 is, is no joke. That's a big number. When you hit a 75 1 outright, you know, that carries you. That carries you a few tournaments. So that's a big win, a big hit. You guys were all over them last week. It's a great job. And, you know, the way our show goes, we go on heaters. So I intend somebody to hit one again this week. Stay tuned. Spence, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. So yeah, once again, congratulations to David and C on the Wyndham Clark win. As you guys have all said, I mean, 75 to one is not shabby at all. So uh, anybody who tailed those picks on the win daily family, congratulations to you guys also. And then the other thing I want to throw out there, because I think it is worth noting the last seven tournaments that we have played on this show, the audience has either come in first or second place. So they are also on a heater right now. In our season-long contest, they have taken first place over with it, and it's not helping that I think I have come in last place quite a few weeks in a row right now, so they've overtaken me for first right now. It is a pretty much a four-way heat 
with everybody within two or three points of each other. So it's going to be a fun finish down the stretch here for this contest that we do on this show. I love the drama. We love a, a down the stretch finish where anybody can still win. I love it. The audience, we're going to need your best effort to finish this strong. You have the lead, an early lead, but we're coming. So I'm going to need a full participation from all the audience if you guys want to hang on to this lead and finish this season with a win. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's great to be on the show and um, victory lap with um, with Sia of what happened last week. Um, I, I've just put a tweet out, and I, I just want to read this because it's kind of ridiculous that since March – had winners of Kitty Armour at 60 to 1, Taylor Moore at 70 to 1, Nick Barkham on the DP World Tour at 100 to 1, Hardy and Riley at 45 to 1, and Wyndham Clark at 75 to 1 last week. So that puts us in a position now where if you were putting just $10 per unit on what I've been posting in Win Daily, that you would have made a profit this year, profit of $3,800. So that's not bad in uh, four months of um, of work if you're uh, just putting $10 per, per unit on those tips. So Wyndham Clark, finally, I mean, I've, I've said a number of times on this show, um, his data golf ranking was so much higher than his world golf ranking, and it was ripe for correction. And I'm just so pleased that we were on it because can you imagine if we weren't like the amount that we've talked window clock up this year and we hadn't tipped in the one week we won. So um, it was, it was super pleasing and, and just stoked for the wind daily family. And I think that that's a story to go back to. I think we, we used to mention on this show a lot. I'm not sure we said it in a while, but typically like Wyndham Clark, someone that we all have been and you guys, especially tipping for, for weeks and you know, you in golf, especially you don't want to let, you know, one week, two weeks, I'm not someone not winning to get you off of someone you like. Like for the most part, he has been consistent. He didn't win every week, but he's been consistently playing well. And that's a 875 to one is finding that guy who, you know, you've been consistently riding, not getting disappointed because one of those weeks he didn't come through, sticking with your guns and and they come through and play for you. So with that right. said, um, I want to hear the course breakdown this week. I think it's an interesting course to the breakdown because it is a little bit different than your typical PGA course. So Spence, tell me what you're looking for uh, at Craig Ranch. Yeah, so we have TPC Craig Ranch. It's a little over 7,400 yards. It's a par 71 this year versus a par 72. We can talk about that change in a second. Bent grass screens. Uh, I think beyond anything else, we only have a two-year sample size here. So I think that makes pulling past results challenging since building a model will leave you with probably more questions and answers there. However, that notion becomes a little bit more problematic when you realize that the venue has been susceptible to weather-altered divergences throughout its limited history on tour. That might be the same answer here. I know there's thunderstorms potentially in the forecast. That's something to keep an eye on, whether it comes to a weather edge for DFS, first-round leader plays. We can let David talk about some of that as we move across the show here. But I think... One of the important things to that is, so none of that has stopped the venue from playing as one of the most straightforward tournaments players will get all year. There's something to be said about a general birdie fest when you remove all the brutal conditions and you know you kind of just have it straightforward with it. Like obviously you have nearly 35% of approach shots that come from outside of 200 yards, but that hasn't stopped KH Lee from winning this event at 25 under and 26 under during those two years. So that's something to keep in mind at the in the back of your head here. But really for me, because we don't have a lot of data and we do have some problems when we try to figure out this data of extrapolating the numbers out, I kind of tried to build thing, things in a much more, I guess like condensed and tangible sense would be the best way to say it. So 
I looked at course specific blueprints versus any of the data that you could find at this venue over two years. That's going to be statistics like Bentgrass courses. So other courses that use Bentgrass, it's going to be TPC properties. I always note how TPC properties for the most part, all kind of play similarly to one another. I looked at easy scoring conditions. I looked at venues over 7,400 yards. I looked at win play. I kind of think all those things, when you throw them into a model, gives you a little bit more of that rudimentary outlook that simplifies the process a little bit. Obviously, I'll throw in the weighted proximity from over 200 yards. I'll throw in some of the other numbers that do prove to be critical at this venue. But I didn't want to lock myself or pin myself into a corner here to where I was looking at two years worth of data because so much can change from year to year. And as I said, like the first season was completely altered by weather. The second year, we got a lot of the same returns once again when it came to long iron proximity and some of that. But I kind of tried to simplify the process a little bit more on my end. And, you know, we can talk about the field's quality maybe not being exactly what we want this week. But kind of as we said at the beginning, that is usually where I think all of us thrive best of trying to find value. So I'm excited to run through these players, figure out who we think are the values this weekend. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of good discussions that will come from that. I love it. There you have it. Big shout out to Mikey S in the chat. See ya. We appreciate you bringing them along. <laughs> and you know, audience, you guys are a great team. So follow along. Feel free to subscribe, hit the like button, give us a follow. It goes a long way. Mikey, we appreciate you joining the show tonight. For anyone else who might be new, give you a quick rundown on how it works while I bring the draft board up. Um, we do a snake draft. So one through four, see it, and the audience will go first. David, Spencer, and then I will go fourth while I get two picks and we go back. It works like your, your typical fantasy football draft except you do have to stay within a DraftKings salary. So you can't just go out there and pick all the best players. If you pick Scheffler first, you're obviously going to have to find some value to be able to make sure the rest of your team can stay within the salary cap. With that being said, audience, you're look, you're on the clock, but I've been looking. It looks like your pick is pretty much in, and it sure is the right pick. But see, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, you said if the audience picks Scheffler, where they had already picked Scheffler once I notified them that they were going to have, we were going to have the first pick. And by the way, if I may take a little bit of credit, you know how I love taking credit for things, right? You notice how the audience has been on a run over the last two months? My ridicule of the audience started about, I don't know, forever ago, but specifically like four to six months ago. And I'm just saying, I think the audience has gotten a little bit more wise and here we are kind of dominating, in some senses, the PGA DraftCast. So I'm going to go ahead and take partial credit for that uh, because I was ridiculing you um, over and over again. And here we are with Scotty Scheffler as our first pick. You know, when, when the numbers came out, when the, when the DFS pricing came out, my first thought was, well, it's really hard to build lineups with Scotty Scheffler. I'm not so sure that's true anymore. And at that, that wasn't me saying I don't want to play Scotty Scheffler, but I just thought it was difficult to build. But I find myself liking Scotty Scheffler more and more because I think once you get past like the top five or six players in this field, or maybe even three or four, it's just a mix of a lot of guys that honestly belong in very similar, if not the same price tier. So I, I think that's just one other thing I want to point out is when we play DFS, we're always kind of fixated on, well, I'm going to take a guy from the 10K and above range and 9K range, and then, you know, squeeze in a couple guys from the 7K range and see where it lands. Like, 
get out of the range discussion. Play the guys you want to play. Play the pivots you want to play. Play the guys who you think have win equity. And Scotty Scheffler, well, he has a bunch of the win equity. So I absolutely love this pick. I don't think it merits a ton of discussion taking Scotty Scheffler first. Um, Joel, let me just kick it to you real quick before we get to David's pick. I mean, I assume in your builds, Scotty Scheffler is in a lot of them. Or you can play the game theory play and say, no, no, no. Not only am I going to be underweight, I'm fading Scotty Scheffler altogether. Where are you at? Yeah, this reminds me a lot of, you know, two weeks ago with Rom at New Mexico. It was like one guy just head and shoulders above the field. I think the way to play this week is either go all in or all out on Scotty. Yeah. Just like fully commit one way. I think you can go either way. Obviously, I like Scotty. He's the best player. But, yeah, I, I think game theory-wise, I, I can understand the route of going away from him and being a little bit more balanced and being different. But for me, I'm going to be playing a lot of Scotty. Yeah, I think I've changed my tune a little bit because at first I was going to go game theory and just kind of fade him or be extremely underweight on him. I'm having a hard time justifying doing it. I, I'm seeing his ownership at 30-ish percent. I think that's going to grow quite a bit by the time we get to lock. So the Wind Daily Sports um, ownership report comes from Stephen Plarty, who's in the chat. So that'll be with us tomorrow night. If you're a Wind Daily Sports member, you're going to get that. Um, so you can kind of identify what you want to do game theory-wise from there with Scotty and everybody else. But listen, we spent a lot of time on that pick, and we really didn't need to, if I'm being honest. So, David, feel free to comment on Scotty if you want to. Otherwise, just give us your, your first pick in, uh, in the AT&T Byron Nelson PGA Draftcast. Yeah, I mean, look, the only thing I'd say about Scotty is that um, obviously when Spieth withdrew and the Wind Daily Discord, I dropped straight away that we should be getting on Scotty Scheffler and their price has narrowed from we, we selected them at um, plus 4.50 and that's narrowed very, very substantially to um, to plus 3.60 now um, for a win only. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of withdrawals. Um, I've had three of my selections already withdrawn in the form of Hubbard and Smalley and Spawn um, and that's just increased Shepler's win equity, um, likewise. So I have about 42% ownership, but I just I can't see a situation where Scotty Shepler finishes outside the top 10. I mean, he, he's been doing that in fields much, much stronger than what we see here. So, um, and the Texas link as well, obviously. I mean, it, this is a tournament that means a lot to them. So um, I, I don't have any concerns about him kind of with an eye on next week. Um, so, I mean, that leaves me in a position where um, obviously I would love to have the first pick and take Sheffler, but um, in lieu of that, I'm going to take a um, player that I, I see a lot of length on this course to TPC Southwind, not only in terms of the yardage buckets where approach shots come from, but also the unique Zoysa um, fairways that you get, which can produce um, flyers from that type of grass. And it is pretty unique. You get some differing opinions on it. So um, someone who played both those courses really well and has turned into a little bit of form is um, Tom Kim. So we've seen his approach play improving, seen some great results. Um, obviously, one at the Shriners, which I think is a pretty good correlating course in terms of a low-scoring beauty fest. Um, the um, FedEx St. Jude at TPC Southland last year, he was 13th and he was 17th year last year. Um, I think he's been getting a, a bit of a hard time because he hasn't been winning every single tournament, but we know that upside is there and he thrives in these birdie fests. We look at his wins, they were at the Shriners in a low scoring birdie fest, um, you know, and um, the other one was uh, another low scoring birdie fest of the win. So um, I love to take him in this situation too. Yeah, I like Tom Kim. He's he's probably like my second, maybe third uh, favorite guy to play. Probably second behind Scotty Scheffler. Um, 
Spencer, it's your pick, but I want to go to you. I think Tom Kim, like, I think we can make the argument that he's kind of back, at least with the ball striking. It's the putter that's plagued him, but we've seen him be good with the putter before just last summer. It's just, it's been a while since he's been consistent with the putter in any appreciable way. Um, let's have your pick, but your thoughts on Tom Kim, you know, he's obviously the fourth highest priced guy now that we have a, a couple withdrawals in here. Um, is in your model, is he paying off that price? I think it comes down to roster construction of what the optimal way to build this is, because I'm not saying you can stack these two together, but at least according to my model, the two most popular players look to be Scotty Scheffler and then probably Tom Kim there. So I think you're going to have to pick and choose your positions with it. And, and I think Joel kind of said it best when he talked about Scheffler of either going all in or all out with it. I kind of take an approach with Scheffler right now where I might go all out mm -hmm. and I might try to stack some of these $9,000 golfers. A guy like Tom Kim would be one of those examples there and get my exposure in that way. That's kind of a very similar answer that I took a couple weeks ago where I went all in on Tony Finau and got off of John Rom with it. So I think there's another realistic route that can go there, but it really just comes down to roster construction and the way that you want to build these lineups because at the end of the day, like pricing is still really stout across the board. We're talking about every single person, 9,000 and up inside the top 10 of my model. You really just have to pick and choose your spots there. So I think that's like the most simplistic way that I would say that everybody is technically still in. But once you make a decision one way or another, players kind of have to get cut based off of that answer. Mm -hmm. And for my first pick to move us along in the draft, I'm going to remove the section that we're at right now. And I'm going to go to a different part of the board. I'm going to go to the $7,000 range. And I am going to take Scott Stallings hmm. at 7,700. And when I ran my model, pretty much the best value that I had on the board for the price was Stallings. And that is not an answer I typically give. He's not a golfer that I generally find myself on, but this specific course layout, when we look at bent grass greens and easy to hit fairways and easy scoring and his ability to use some combination of his distance and his long iron proximity, all those numbers skyrocketed in my sheet up inside the top 10 win equity choice options that I had. That was a golfer who opened at 80 to one. That was the very first ticket that I punched at that point. We've seen that number come down a little bit at various shops, but I thought anything over 50 to one would still have value. And just to point at some of those numbers of why I like him. So weighted strokes gain total was a big thing I looked at this week. I threw in some putting into my model, at least more than I normally do. He's inside the top 10 for me there. He's a good win player. He's second in my model in weighted bent grass scoring. That's good. That's where the putting kind of gets included there. And then if we look at the weighted proximity numbers, 36th in my model, inside the top 30 in proximity from over 200 yards, you add that distance and some of like the easier scoring conditions that he brings to the table increases the birdie or better percentage that my model believes he has. So I have a very specific way that I want to build lineups this week. I think Scott Stallings is a very good, easy answer to where I can go all routes of how I want to do. And it's just the safest play for me to begin with that construction based off of what's going to happen from there. Yeah, such an interesting pick because Scott Stallings was definitely on my radar when I was just honestly before I even got into a lot of the research. Scott Stallings was definitely on my radar, and I've I've kind of been wavering back and forth. But the fact that you're supporting him here and, and all those those metrics uh, and course comps that you talked about that that's just making it that much more enticing. So 
I like that pick. Uh, Joel, you've got back-to-back picks. Feel free to let us know if Scott Stallings is going to make it into your player pool or not. I mean, here's the reality. There's a lot of guys in the 7K range you can play. So we're on. We're not all going to be on Scott Stallings. I think it's a really clever play. Uh, what say you on Scott Stallings, and who are your two picks? You know, Scott Stallings was not in my player pool going in, uh, but I do like the pick. It's, I don't, not that I dislike him. There were some other guys in the 7K range I was preferring. But in terms of upside in this field to price, you know, he is a guy that I think could have easily been a thousand dollars more expensive. No one would have batted an eye, and you know he would kind of slipped in there. So by getting him, you know, even if you are playing Scotty Scheffler, you know, you can kind of still build lineups with Stallings in there with with some upside. So um, I might have to take a second look at him before the week ends. For me, I'm going to start with value. I there's a lot of guys up in this nine K range that I like that. Um, you know, now that I'm not going to get Sheffler, I can go back to later and, and go get in this draft, I hope. Um, there's a few value plays that I'm prioritizing that I want to make sure I go get on my roster. I'm going to start with uh, Jimmy Walker. <laughs> Jimmy Walker has been playing great golf recently. You know, his last four outings, he's had four top 30s, you know, 22, 25th, 15th, 14th. He likes to play down in Texas. It's going to be a good spot for him here. And you get him at 7,100, which is extremely good value in this field. Um, I think he has plenty of upside here. So one of my favorite value plays is Jimmy Walker. I'll go with first. And I'm going to follow him up with Dylan Wu, another guy in the 7K range, less than 7,500, who has been playing really well. Um, In his last four outings, he's got two top 20s, a 21st, and a 39th. So he's giving you results. His ball striking has been really consistent. He's also been putting really well. So if he continues to find that hot putter, I think, you know, a top 10, even a win is really in consideration for Dylan Wu this week. Yeah, all Dylan Wu keeps doing is just paying off his price. He's he's constantly underpriced. And you're right, the finishing positions and the metrics, they all look good for him. I, I feel like he's still in the shadow of Brandon Wu. Brandon Wu, who's not his brother, I've made that mistake before. It was a long time ago. Don't worry about it. But the point is, I think Dylan Wu's a really good pick. Again, there's a lot of good guys in this 7K range. Um, I'd like to move on because because we started a little slow. But, Spencer, before we get to your pick, David, let me ask you, yes or no, Jimmy Walker, yes or no, Dylan Wu? Uh, yes, Jimmy Walker, yes, both of the Wu brothers. Okay, Brandon and Dylan. Uh, he's tipping his hand. Maybe he's going to draft Brandon later. We don't know. There's only one way to find out. Spencer, it's your pick. You got Scott Stallings, have some value there at 7,700. Who's next? So I talked a lot in the course breakdown about how nearly 35% of the shots come from over 200 yards. And it's funny because now I'm going to take a player that ranks 115th in my model in proximity from outside of 200 yards. Obviously, that's not necessarily the correlation that you want to see here when giving this answer. But I kind of am under the assumption that when you deal with such an easy course, like this isn't one of those venues where if your irons go completely haywire, that you're in water and you find, you know, plethora of trouble throughout the course. I think you can have certain aspects of your game that are a little bit dodgy in spots, specifically even the long iron play. I know a lot of the shots come from there, but there is a player who's come inside the top 20 at this tournament, both years of playing it. And that's even with the the proximity numbers that I'm talking about. So I'm going to take Seamus Power at 8,900. I love his birdie making ability on this course. I love how he produces when you give him an easier track. I think that kind of ends up alleviating some of the concerns I have from the long iron play. And then when we look at TPC properties, 14th for me in my model, he's fifth in strokes gain total on easy scoring, 
plus easy to hit fairways over the past 50 rounds. I talked a little bit about his history at this course. That's a 17th last year, a ninth year before that. I see about 15% ownership right now, but I think Seamus has legitimate win equity to capture this title. And I think at 15%, the number is still fine there. And it kind of keeps with the steady build that I'm trying to make. A couple things here. One is I'm seeing his ownership a little less. Again, this will all be finalized tomorrow, uh, thanks to Stephen Pilardi, a.k.a. Sicily Kid, in our WindDailySports.com or Discord. We'll have that article up with all the, the final ownership. But I, I think I think it's going to be 15% at most. I think he, he kind of gets squeezed by, by a lot of players that are near that, which we don't need to discuss. But there, there's a few players there that I think – um, people are going to take over Seamus Power. He was another guy, you know, it's funny that I'm sa- I said it about Stallings, but Power was another guy that I was kind of waffling on initially, really liked him. And it was because of the recent form and the course history. So I- I- I'm really kind of a fan of this play, especially if he's going to be in that 10 to 15% range, which I can pretty much guarantee. And I honestly think it'll be closer to 10% than it will be to 15. I could be wrong with all these withdrawals. Obviously, some people are going to pick up ownership. It's just inevitable. But David, before we get to your pick, Joel, I want to ask you, Seamus Power, yes or no? Same, I kind of have the same answer as Scott Stallings. He wasn't, but I think Spencer makes some really good points. I do see the upside, so someone I'm going to consider before the end of the week. Yeah, I just think Power's gotten lost a little bit, like with his game a little bit, but just sort of like with us. Like he hasn't played a ton, and when he has played, it's kind of been middling, like nothing crazy good. Like the finishing, he's made cuts, but the finishing positions aren't very good. But we know Seamus Power is that guy that can pop. And in this watered-down field, he seems like that dude that will be there on, like, Sunday afternoon contending. Like, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I don't think any of us would be surprised if, if it's Power and Scheffler and, you know, name, like, four or five other players that are, like, contending down the stretch. David, it's your pick. Do you agree on the Power analysis, or are you are you out on Seamus? No, absolutely. I'm, I'm in on Power in a big way. I think he's got a great chance. I thought he looked really good last week as well and obviously absolutely. a stronger event. Um, and I am absolutely shocked that this player has fallen back to me. Human psychology is just a fascinating thing. I, I think that we have a tendency to look at something and go, there can't possibly be three tournaments of this course mm-hmm. where the same player wins all three. And so we just fade a guy in TPC Lee who's won this tournament back to back. He's just finished eighth at the Wells Fargo Championship, which is very similar approach metrics. And he's in great form, and he's he's back to back defending champion, going for a three peat. I mean, he he's a great pick at ninety three hundred. So, um, thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's interesting because his ownership is is pretty high. He's another one of the guys that I think is going to be popular enough, maybe not in the draft cast, but popular enough for guys like Seamus Power not to have much ownership because they're in a similar price range. You got Jason Day there, Adam Scott who showed out last week there's Siwoo Kim I mean there's just a lot of names uh you might want to take a shot at Taylor Montgomery something in the chat was pointing out that he won a, a KFT event um back in 219 on this course there's just a lot of get bent on Tom Hoagie might so my point is I feel like power is an even better play but I can't deny that KH Lee is a good play either I it, it's it, it is a human psychology sort of experiment like really KH Lee of all people is going to three-peat or even be contending to three-peat it sounds extremely unlikely but let's not forget the sport we're playing you know, it's golf like this. It, it, what, what, what doesn't make sense tends to make sense. Uh, we, we already have Spencer, yes or no on KH Lee. And I'm, I'm monitoring the chat because they are totally on top of it. 
and they are nominating as we speak. So if we already have two nominations or even one, somebody put it in the chat so we don't have another another gate on our hands. But Spencer, yes or no on KH Lee while we round out our two picks? Yeah, it's a yes for me. I, I think sometimes, like David kind of said it best, he wins twice in a row. And like I think the general public is going to play him. He obviously slipped a little bit further in our draft, but uh, he's somebody that is really difficult to try to not play and put into your lineup. He fits all three molds of what I'm trying to find. So he has the statistics. He obviously has the course history. The current form is trending in the right direction. Like the only reason why you're not playing him comes down to ownership. But I really think that like at the end of the day, KH Lee is good chalk and you're making like the price is still fine enough to put him into a lineup. So he will be in my player pool. I think it's a savvy pick by David. And uh, I think it's a really nice start with Tom Kim and KH Lee there. Yeah, totally agree. Well, the audience is on it. Jimmy Wagner, who, by the way, he sponsors a a, a win daily tournament that uh, everybody should be a part of. Jimmy, can you maybe tell us in the chat how people can participate in that tournament? I think it's a win daily tournament. I know you have a tournament that's floating around there, a DFS contest. I think it's only $3 to enter. Please get in the chat and let us know. But he has been kind enough to collate our picks or our nominations. It's going to be Michael Kim and Eric Cole. I think I'm on the Michael Kim decision. I'm not sure about EC. Uh, there was another guy that was mentioned that I hope comes back around because I really liked one of the guys that was actually two of the guys that were nominated as it turns out. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to speak to these guys. I mean, Michael Kim has been really good lately. There's just nothing bad to say about him. He's not the Michael Kim of old. He clearly has found something. He's making cuts, good finishing positions, good metric. Eric Cole can pop. We know that. David, I'm going to go to you here before we get to your pick. Uh, tell us yes or no on Michael Kim and Eric Cole. Uh, I'm a yes on both. I think they're both great plays this week. Talk to me about Eric Cole specifically. Any particular reason you, you like him? Because he's still, I mean, they're both unfamiliar names to a lot of people, but he hasn't been around quite as much as Michael Kim. Um, why do you like EC here? I don't know. It's surprising, right? Because Eric Cole's actually like in his mid 30s, um, but he's had such a resurgent year. I, I see some correlation to the Honda Classic, where obviously he was um, in the playoff right there at the end and taking on some other big names. He's been tipped by some other very sharp tipsters that I've got good relationships with and, and highly respect. And the approach metrics have been really good. Um, and I, I love with the putter that he's extremely volatile with it. I think that's a, a good thing. I'd rather have someone who can get extremely hot and then go completely cold than someone who's just like middling and average all the time. So um, I think he's got great upside and he's a great play for GPP. Absolutely. All right. Love it. Uh, Joel, real quick. Yes or no, Michael Kim, Eric Cole. Yes on Michael Kim. I don't. I think I'm out on Eric Cole. All right, David, it's your pick. You got Tom Kim. You got KH Lee. I think this is a brilliant start. Who's next? Yeah, I was kind of thinking where I can go. I think I've got one guy here that I can leave on the table for a little bit longer, which is probably going to mean that um, I'll get bit and coming back. But I'm going to look to free up some salary cap. I'm going to take um, down in the lowly seven thousands. Um, Trey Mullinax. Um, if we're talking about correlation to um, TPC Southwind, Mullinex has played that tournament twice in the last five years. 2022, he finished fifth. 2018, he finished sixth. Now, bear in mind, TPC Southwind is the host of the BMW Championship in the, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Like, it's not a weak field whatsoever. And a guy like Trey Mullinex has got two top tens in his last two appearances there. He's got very similar metrics to this course, same sort of fairways. Um, so, yeah, same sort of yardages um, and being grass greens as well. Um, we've seen him trending a little bit in terms of his form recently as well, and I think that he's um, a great fit this week. Wow. I, that's 
seems like a smart play. I, I like the comp there. Mullinax was not on my radar. He does seem like a pretty decent course fit here. Uh, was not on my radar. Spencer, before we get to your pick, how is Trey Mullinax rating out in your model? I think David brought up good points with him. Like he wasn't somebody that was necessarily going to make my player pool, but like, I mean, obviously when you look at these tournaments, he has the 32nd here last year, but there's a lot of different routes to try to build this. It's just, I mean, for me, he's very slightly outside of the top 50. And I mean, I think at $7,000, that's about right where he is in pricing, but there are other players, which, I mean, we can talk about later. I'm sure that I would rather play over him, but I mean, he's not some like egregious fade that I'm looking to take on. I think that like from a skill set standpoint, there was a portion and, and I'll just, I'll give this answer really fast here. Like when I was running a season long model at the beginning, and this is a completely different answer here, like mm -hmm. Trey Mullinex popped in ways that were unimaginable. Like it thought he was like a top 40 player for season long uh, golf. So, I mean, there's obviously something to be said about his ability to perform at some of these events. And I kind of like that upside when we are talking about a really cheap option here who does have the potential to make a run up the leaderboard. So like he's volatile to me, but the upside certainly makes him intriguing. Yeah. And this low seven K range, it is just, there, there's so many guys you can just sort of justify taking. And I think the way the builds are going to be, especially with the Scotty Scheffler lineups or the lineups that have like two guys in the nine K range, there's going to be a collection area, so to speak in this low seven K range. And, and I really think, the tournaments are going to come down to this in terms in terms of your success. Do you take the right 7K guys? Because listen, all these guys aren't making the cut, right? So, you know, if you guess right here and, and yet you've got some upside post cut with a guy like Trey Mullinax and some of the guys that we'll be talking about in a second, um, it's just going to go such a long way. Spencer, you started with Stallings, then you went to Seamus Power. Who's next? So I'm going to go with a player that I also think is good chalk here in Steven Yeager at 8,200. And I feel like I take him every single week on this show. And it kind of goes back to the same answer that I've been giving for the last couple of weeks. I know they're com two completely different players. I understand that. But there's upside metrics in my model that are at least similar to what I have seen from Wyndham Clark here in 2023. And I'm kind of willing to bet on this added distance from him in 2023. I love the weight of proximity that he brings to the table. Brent Bentgrass is a very pure surface here where people are making putts. So if he can use some of that weight of proximity, like there's an enhancement of putts that are made from within five feet here. If he can use that weight of proximity, that obviously helps. But if he's also able to make a couple more putts, like to me, the way I love to try to build, and sometimes it burns me and sometimes it doesn't in these lineups, but find me the quality ball strikers that can get hot for a four day span here with the putter and, I do think Jaeger is going to win at some point. He has multiple wins that he put together in a very short time period on the Corn Ferry Tour. I think we're trending in this direction that he's going to win a PGA Tour event. I don't know, within the next year, let's say. Like, we're moving in that direction. And this feels like a really nice course where this is at least possible. So I uh, don't necessarily love the ownership that I see, but I also don't hate it enough to where I'm removing him from my player pool. Like, I think he's completely fine anywhere between that 20% and under range. Yeah, there are, there are guys like Jaeger and, and even Tom Kim right now where the ball striking is so good. And it's it's that classic thing, which doesn't always work out, by the way, where it's like, well, if they can only find a putter. And usually when we talk about those particular guys, we're watching on Friday and they got to drill like an eight footer just to make the cut because they've been so bad putting. But when it comes to Jaeger and Tom Kim, Spencer, I kind of appreciate the upside with those guys, especially in this type of field where I think I'd be more willing to take that gamble in a non-designated event 
where they can just skyrocket up the leaderboard. Whereas maybe in a designated event, a guy like Steven Yeager's captain, I just don't want to even just flirt with a bad putter. That's reasoning. I'm just really kind of stream of consciousness coming up with right now. But um, I, I think Yeager's certainly a good play. He's also going to be a good pivot if, if, and I'm looking at ownership. I know you mentioned it. I mean, it doesn't look out of control right now. And I think that's partly because there's plenty of guys in that range you can play. So we'll see again, windailysports.com, windailysports discord. We'll have the ownership report tomorrow from Steven, but um, Joel, yes or no, before you give your two picks, yes or no on Steven Yeager. I like Yeager. I'm in. All right. And DT in Phoenix, Dave says everyone is touting Yeager this week, but he still hasn't fixed his putting most. That's true. Yeah. And, and I think we kind of just Spencer did too. I think we kind of just spoke to that. So He's either he's either going to find it or not. And I think that the, the thing is about Jaeger and guys like Tom Kim, if they do find it, they can top five this thing, if not win it. So I think that's that's why you're just, like you're taking the chance on a relatively bad putter. Joel, you got back to back picks. You started unconventionally, which is good for a draft cast and it's good for GPPs. You got Jimmy Walker. You got Dylan. Wu. We've created a ton of value. Where are you going next? All right. I'm going to go up and get my guys now. There's a couple of high-priced guys I'm going to spend up for. The first is Terrell Hatton. Um, Terrell Hatton's, you know, he's playing great golf mm-hmm. in this field. You know, if he can go out and win this tournament, playing well, you know, balanced, and he's doing everything right, he's getting strokes off the tee, getting strokes on approach. He, he doesn't really have a major weakness. And for a guy with, you know, upside enough to win the tournament, you compare him to the guys with real, real win equity. I'm talking about guys who are, like, the real favorites to win this tournament. There's four or five of them, right? And so, like, after Scheffler, he's right there. You save a lot of money um, by, you know, $1,800 by getting Hatton in your life if he wins the tournament. Then I'm going to be in really, really good shape. And I'm going to pair this pick with Matt Kuchar. Uh, this is another guy who, Texas guy, plays well at these Texas courses, is in good form. He's been playing well this year. Um, at 9K, I, I think the price is right for him. You know, I don't know. I don't really love him to win the tournament, but I think he has plenty of upside in terms of a top 10 or 15, which is enough where I get out of his salary to balance out this lineup. I am so – and by the way, I like the Hatton pick. I don't think it warrants a ton of discussion. I mean, the only discussion that it, that it warrants when it comes to guys that are high-priced like Ty- Terrell Hatton is how are you going to build your lineup, who you're including, who you're not including. Obviously, Hatton lineups probably aren't going to have Scotty Scheffler, although you could try to pull that off. You'd probably be left with right around 7,000 flat just as an FYI. It's Kucher who I want to talk about, though, because – you know, the finishing positions have been pretty good lately. And, David, I'm going to kick this over to you before we get uh, to Spencer's next pick. But the the metrics aren't really adding up to me. Now, again, the course history is good. And, Spencer, you could probably speak to this. I think the market is really respecting Matt Kuchar in terms of the head-to-heads that I've seen. Uh, you know, obviously the outright market as well. It's not adding up to me for Kuchar. Like last week, for example, he gained almost 11 strokes around the green and was pretty bad ball striking. And it's not the first time we've seen that. So I know he has the pedigree, but are we overvaluing Matt Kuchar, David? I, I really like his ability to, to get up and down. I mean, it, it's a similar answer I've given on this show before. Matt, Matt Kuchar just is a very good short game player. He is very good around the greens. He's very good at putting. We've seen that for quite some time. My, my only concern would come with his approach playing the last two times we've seen him at the Wells Fargo and the RBC, he's kind of lost on approach in a big way. And I tend to prefer people going the other direction of like starting to gain and improve an approach that's usually showing that their ball striking is trending in a, in a good direction. Um, but look, I think Keecher can make it up around the greens. Um, he performed very well recently in Texas with a third place there. 
Um, so I, I don't absolutely hate the play. I just, yeah, my, my one Nichols, I just wish his approach play had been a little bit better the last two tournaments. All right. And Spencer, you have a pick, but let us know uh, quickly, in or out on Matt Kuchar this week. Uh, I mean, probably out because of ownership, I guess. I think the profile, at least according to my model, looks fine from a statistical perspective, but I don't love when I'm seeing 20% when there's other players in that range that I would rather play. So it's more of just like a pivot contrarian, try to find a different route to go than anything else. All right. And I'm seeing a, a little less ownership, but I, I expect Kuchar to be, especially with this course history here, um, to be pretty popular. Spencer, who's your next pick? So, see, I think you once called this guy the worst golfer on the tour. That I'm oh, you're taking him? Uh, we were going to take him next. I'm not, I'm not even joking. We were because because I knew I was going to nominate him. But also there were people in the chat who have seen other shows of mine that that were like, oh, we know who you want to take. And I think they were going to nominate him. Are you taking who I think you're taking? I, I mean, I think so. Um, Has to be. I, I can't imagine you ever taking this guy. So now I feel like the answer is no. But well, I love him this week. It's the one time I think I love him this week. Go ahead. Christian Bezadenhout. That's right. That's the one. Yeah. So <laughs> I think there's a lot to like about him at this course. And um, I mean, I guess let's start with the weighted proximity here. So like, obviously from outside of 200 yards, there's going to be some problems with it, but it's kind of the same answer that I gave about Seamus. And like the one thing that really changes for Christian Bezaden out here is when I run it for the entire course from all the way to proximity, 21st in my model, the number one putter on bent grass greens, uh, a great TPC player historically. I think what it comes down to is, can he make enough birdies in this tournament? Historically, I mean, not necessarily, but I'm willing to bet on that upside of the the way on this particular course, which is, I'm sure, kind of the answer that you would give, Sia. It's like, I believe between the weight of proximity and then his ability to make a putt, he's like one of the best weighted scorers that I have in this field. He's fourth in my model for projected scoring for this tournament, so... We can say that he's not a proficient and an efficient birdie maker at the end of the day, but on an easy course like this with his ability with when I threw all the numbers together, fourth overall tells a completely different story than that. So I also like, I know I've kind of been the Bezayden out advocate in a lot of these spots and I'm really not, I very rarely play him myself, but it does feel like a really nice setup for him on this course. Yeah, he's, he's, Probably just if we're talking about value, my, my favorite play in this entire. And by the way, that can blow up in my face, right? It can blow up in yours, Spencer. I mean, the, yeah. there's going to be some volatility here, especially with just the ability for people to rack up birdies. You know, I, I think there, we're going to see a leaderboard that's going to be pretty shocking, you know, come Saturday and Sunday. With all that said, you're right. I, I looked at weighted approach as a whole, as opposed to the different proximity, Spencer, and he rated out really well there. He's gained on approach in four out of the last five. He's got good course history. He's got good recent history. Um, he's literally checking every box uh, that I was looking for this week. I saw somebody in the in the chat saying that David was a little frustrated that he was. I was frustrated that we took Eric Cole instead of him because I thought um, I was kind of distracted and I was going to probably put in Cbez as a second nomination. But uh, listen, Eric Cole might be just fine. I, I don't really mind the pick, but I was hoping we would take Michael Kim and Cbez there. Uh, David, were you on Cbez as well? Was the chat right that you were frustrated at that pick? Um, I'm not just frustrated that pick, but like I literally in my little, you know, fake lineup I've got going here, had Toro had and Matt Kuchar's CBS within that team as my next three targets to try and form my lineup and they've just wow. gone on the last three picks. So well done, Joel, well done, audience, well done everybody for um, ruining this draft completely for me. This team is <laughs> a disaster, as Spencer would say. Um 
So now I'm going to have to go and pivot a little bit. Um, I think that I need to go grab this guy for value because I'm not going to trust the audience not to take him. And that's um, Ryan Palmer at 7,100. Mm. I think he's really good value. Um, obviously, great links here to this course. Um, again, if we're looking at the the correlation to TPC Southwind that you have um, here in terms of multiple different golfers, his last three results there have been 20th, 26th, and 15th. He was a fifth here last time, and he's just finished 35th in an extremely strong event um, on the Wells Fargo. So he's running into decent form. He was top five for here last year, um, and correlating course form was really good as well. Um, I really like his um, iron play lately as well, and that's trending in a, in a good direction. I think he's... Um, I don't think he's like massively undervalued at 7,100, but I do think he's a little lower price than he could be. Like if he was like 7,600, I wouldn't blink an eye. So um, I'm happy to take him here. All right. Audience already nominating. And uh, listen, I'm, by the way, I like Ryan Palmer. Uh, before I make a comment, um, Joel, Ryan Palmer, yes or no? No. Spencer, Ryan Palmer, yes or no? Yeah, he'll be in my player pool, I think. Yeah, I think I'm going to have a little bit of exposure to him as well. Certainly, I'll be above the field, but not much above the field. I, I do like, I think this might be a Ryan Palmer spot. Do we have both of our guys in? I know Tom Hoagie is in there. I actually don't like the Tom Hoagie pick. I could be totally wrong, and historically, he should shine here with the approach play. It hasn't been good lately, and, and I just, in that range... I guess there were other guys I liked. I don't know that I would want to spend 8500 on Tom Hoagie. Again, I could be wrong. I think we're waiting on the second pick. While we do that, Spencer, I'm going to go right back to you. Tom Hoagie, yes or no this week? To me, it really just comes down to ownership with Hoagie and the form that we've seen from him recently. From an upside perspective, I can find him inside the top five of my model. From a downside perspective, he has massive, massive miscut potential here in when I look at about 18%, like there's just so many players I would rather play than him based off of that. It doesn't mean that he doesn't pop. It doesn't mean that he can't find success. My model certainly thinks that there's a potential for that to happen, but like it, it's one of those situations at 18%. I'd rather just bet him as an outright at that point. Like if I really liked him this week. Yeah, no, that's a good way to get exposure to him. I actually, um, that's kind of what I'm doing. Cause, cause I hadn't decided what I was doing with Seamus power. So he's actually on my outright card. You'll see it in the wind daily sports discord, but I gave that out earlier today where I don't know how much exposure I'm, ha I'm going to have to Seamus. So I was like, all right, 40 to one, I'll go ahead and fire there. So just that, that's a thought, a way to get different. So it's Sam Stevens. Okay. I, I don't mind Sam Stevens. Um, not my favorite in that mid seven K range, but he was definitely somebody I was looking at. So Listen, both of these guys can pop. I, I'm historically a big Tom Hoagie fan. I just don't really like the recent form uh, versus some of the other guys we could have taken in that spot. So, David, let me go to you on, on Tom Hoagie and Sam Stevens. Uh, talk to us. Just kind of short answers, yes or no, on, on either of these guys. Um, I mean, of the two, I'm probably most interested to talk about Tom Hoagie because I'm probably a fave as well. I just I feel with Hoagie that we need to see him getting like over two strokes per round ball striking um, to, to really be in his prime, and we haven't been seeing that lately. We also haven't seen him for like two weeks, so I wonder if this is a bit of a tune-up for next week. Like, I mean, he's deliberately kind of um, 
missed the week before and then coming in here I think is a bit of a warm-up um, for the PGA Championship as well. So um, some concerns there. I have him at like early 20% ownerships as well, like 21% is what I see him at, um, especially given some of the WDs. So I think he's going to be pretty popular. Um, so in terms of my next pick, I'm going to go and um, grab um, a pretty high-priced guy. Um, I just think that this gives me the most options. I've got several that I can take in the 7k range um as a result but um give me adam scott i mean oh he's coming off a, off a great <laughs> result um he's playing extremely well um and yeah i mean he's he's definitely got win equity in this kind of caliber of field right so um i'll go take that and then i've got some guys in the 7k range that i can go to um round out of this lineup yeah i, I i'm out on adam scott this week but I don't have a great reason for it. I mean, if I if I had to give like an actual objective reason, it's it's because, from what I recall, the approach play was was pretty scattered with Adam Scott, and I just want to be as of as of his recent form. I'm saying, um, certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but Spencer, it sounds like well, first of all, it's your pick, but it sounds like you wanted to take Adam Scott, so obviously you like it. Okay, so obviously it makes no sense um, with the answer I'm about to give here because I should have just taken him first if this is my answer. I think Adam Scott's going to win this event. Ooh, wow. Um, very discouraging. I did not see a world where Adam Scott was going to get taken. And I, do, I honestly don't know who to pick now. <laughs> well, while you're, uh, while you're considering that, I'll, I'll buy you about seven or eight seconds because FYI, for all you basketball people, you probably have it on mute like I instructed, but the Boston Celtics are getting blown out by the Sixers and the Celtics will lose. So this series is going to go back to Philly and Philly will have a chance to wrap this series up. That will be an incredible, incredible game, but Celtics down 15 with three minutes left that that ain't going to happen. So, okay. Did I buy you enough time, Spencer? No, but I will make a pick. Um... I'll, I'll tell you to see what the, the approach for um, Adam Scott was last week. He gained over um, 1.3 strokes per round ball striking uh, on yeah, approach but, last week. But what about like the four tournaments prior to that? I don't mind. I don't mind whatsoever. You know, the fact that he's he's rounding into form is a good thing. It wasn't Fair pretty enough. obviously. He did a lot with the short game in those other tournaments, but like I'm still willing to trust the long-term perspective with it. And kind of as David said, we saw him pop last week. And then from a metric standpoint, there's so much to like about him that um, – I kind of think Adam Scott might 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 be the ultimate play here in the fifth round, but I don't love this pick. He's not even in my player pool right now. So like now I'm going outside of my player pool to try to figure out a lineup here, but I will bet on the upside with Hideki Matsuyama at 9,800. Whoa. I, I mean, I was, I hate the ownership. I don't necessarily love a lot to do with it, but like if I'm directly comparing Hideki versus, this is going to be a shocking answer. Jason Day, I guess I'd rather take Kadeki this week. Um, I mean, I'd rather play KH Lee. I'd rather play Tom Kim. I'd rather play Adam Scott. Obviously, the two guys above Hideki have been removed from the equation for me. So, like, I don't really know how to round this out. And, and I'll just name some names here just because I think it's worth talking about. I highly considered Maverick McNeely and shooting for the upside with him. That's kind of like the ultimate boomer bust play where I see sub 5% ownership. And I kind of think that McNeely can pop, but the problem with that is I didn't necessarily have anybody that I wanted to pair with him in that range. And I don't necessarily know where I'm going to go with Hideki at this point. Like I hadn't planned 
being down this far down on the board. I wanted to end this at like Sam Stevens, who was taken or Ben Griffin, like something in that range seemed much more suitable for me, but I guess I'll bet on the potential that Hideki does have. And I don't feel great about it, but it's one of those picks where it's like, if Hideki won, would anybody be shocked? No, I just expected Joel to pick him because he's <laughs> likely to withdraw. And yeah. so it's just a, it's just a tailor made pun intended. Uh, is he a tailor made guy? So that pun wasn't necessarily intended. If he's a tailor made guy, then that was awesome. <laughs> anyway, I'm backtracking. I just assumed Joel would take him because well, Joel likes to take guys like that, but listen, I, I don't mind the Hideki play. I'm not playing him. Um, Joel, I don't know if I two... am either. <laughs> like... Right. Fair enough. That's, that's a fair point. Cause you did preface that with you going outside your player pool. Joel being seeing as though you are the guy that takes the, the injured players a lot, even when you don't know they're injured or nobody knows they're injured. Um, you got two picks to go. So I want to hear about that, but would you be in or out on Hideki this week? Um, I'm not going to say fully. I'm, I'm going to have a very small percentage of Hideki this week. So I'm going to play some of him. I'm not going to be like heavy on Hideki. I don't love Hideki. But I am really surprised by the Spence by the pick by Spence because the guy I wanted, I thought you were going to take, is Jason Day. And you not wanting – you purposely passing over Jason Day. I know there's concerns with his vertigo, but vertigo is like a – it will come up for a couple holes. I don't think it's going to affect his entire round. So – um you know, in terms of upside, what we've seen from him, sure. I mean, maybe in the most near term, he's been a little disappointing. But the outlook of the season he in this field, I mean, if, I feel like he can win this tournament. If he, if he has a good week, I think there's a lot of upside with Jason Day, especially with the way his putter has been. If he continues to putt really hot this week in this tournament. Um, yeah, I, actually, my biggest concern is the fact that you just completely overlooked him it makes me concerned because I know <laughs> if Jason Day was going to do it, you would be all over him. So that scares me a little, but I do like Jason Day a lot. And I was planning to take him, you know, before all those guys were taken, like he wasn't stolen and I ran out of picks. Like I like Jason Day and I want him on my team this week. And then to round out my roster with my last pick, um, I am going to take again, Kevin Chappell. So, He's been playing really well. I mean, he's been consistently striking the ball well. I actually think he's pretty underpriced here. I mean, if you look at his results since the Honda in his last five tournaments, his worst finish is 39th at Valero, but um, the 29th at the Honda, 15th at Puerto Rico, 16th at Putacana, 24th in Mexico. This is a field similar to that, right? You can take those top five names that are better than maybe the top five names in those tournaments, but after that, it's very similar. And he's getting you those top 25, 20 results. So at 6,600, I think he's a great value. Yeah, I like Kevin Chappell as well. Uh, weighted approach was was really good for him. Uh, I, I think he's probably just a touch underpriced, to your point. I think there's a few guys in that range, that 6,600, 6,700, up to 6,900 range that are pretty good. Uh, Spencer, we're going to get to your pick, but I just have to point out, it's so on brand that, Spencer, you stole – neck injury Hideki Matsuyama so Joel was like all right I raise I'm an gonna take vertigo eye. Jason Day because that's what I do uh so on brand Jason Day like apologies to Jason Day and the family he's probably going to be sitting out days two three and four of this tournament due to some sort of injury vertigo related or not so Joel that's kind of rude I think that's probably why Spencer didn't draft him he was probably just trying to like be low key on Jason Day but here you went ruining everything for him spencer i'm sure you're down but you got one more pick to make can you manage 
It's, I, I really wanted, and I kind of alluded to this from the start, I, I really wanted to make a build that I felt safe with one through six. I've gotten so volatile week after week in these contests, and I was trying to make a flatter distribution here, and this completely fell apart on the final two picks. Now I have an often injured Hideki where we don't really know what to expect, and now I'm down in the 7,400 or less range where, I mean, if I'm being honest, there's not a lot that I like overly love. I think Eric Cole is somebody that is intriguing. I mean, the ownership is another discussion to be had there, but obviously he's off the board. I don't mind taking a shot with Harry Hall. Like he will be in my player pool. Same answer that I would give to Vincent Norman, Austin Ekro. Like those are just some guys that I want to throw out as players that I considered, but here we are again with me on my final pick, taking just one of the most volatile players in this tournament. I'm going to take Davis Thompson at 7,200. I'm going to bet on the upside of what I think he can potentially put together here. I know the risk of playing him. I also see him at about 2% ownership right now. And really what's burned him recently has been some of these more difficult courses where he's making big numbers. I'm hoping that if you throw him on one of these birdie fests, which we have seen already this season, that maybe the ball striking, the distance, some of those answers can allow him to work himself up the leaderboard. But as I said, I mean, this is not how I envisioned. Like, this had gone for me more or less perfect at a certain point. And then as soon as the Adam Scott pick got taken, like this turn, Adam Scott and obviously Stevens was off, but Adam Scott and Stevens or Ben Griffin into Hideki and Davis Thompson. And like, I don't, I, I like the, I like the first route better than the route that I took. And that's never what you want to say when you're picking a lineup. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of how you could have restructured maybe power or stallings don't get taken and you could you can lead with Adam Scott and uh, Steven Yeager, but yeah. you're going to take a chance either way, obviously. Um, Davis Thompson's interesting. Uh, David, it's your pick. By the way, we got two more picks and then we're going to give out our first round leaders. Maybe we'll give out like an outright since we hit Wyndham Clark last week. I, I'm One of my first round leaders is an outright, so I'll, maybe I'll just mention that. But hang on because we've got that coming up. But David... Real quick on Davis Thompson, just a real quick yes or no. And who's your last pick? Um, probably a no for me. I, I, I would say that um, his approach numbers over 200 is somewhat appealing. Um, I just I'm not loving the fact he's coming in off a couple of missed cuts and a, and a 63rd. I mean, they're, they're all higher tier events than what we're experiencing this week. I just, yeah, I don't, don't know if he's quite at the, the caliber um, at the moment. He's a very young golfer, though. So, I mean, he's, he's still on the rising. We're still working out exactly what he is. So I appreciate um, that aspect as well. Um, I mean, Davis Thompson, obviously famously brother to Michael Thompson, who's also in this field. And I already referenced the brother to Dylan Wu, um, seven months younger, Brandon Wu, will be my final pick at 7,800. I mean, Spence can complain about me taking Adam Scott, but that all stemmed from the fact that he took Christian Bezaden out. Yeah, it's your bad. That's on you. He's I right. couldn't. With with my um my salary that was left, I could have gone Bazade and Howard Kucher, which is probably my preferred route, but I'll take Scott and Brandon Wu. Um Brandon Wu obviously third last time between two pretty high profile names over um at the Mexico Open. Um extremely good over two hundred yards. And if we're thinking that this is tournament based against a seed, you're gonna get a huge disproportionate number of shots over two hundred yards. 66% of shots are over 150 yards. He's a big gainer in both of those on the PGA Tour. Um, and then, yeah, his um, his putting particularly um, really stands out for me. So last time that he was here, he gained over four strokes putting on, on the surface. Um, and he's also gained putting on the 
uh, in a big way of the TPC Summerlin as well, um, and another birdie fest. Um, so this was the end of a putting contest. Give, give me elite long iron approach play and um, elite putting. All right, Brandon Wu. I, I don't have a problem with that pick. And by the way, we didn't talk much about Sam Stevens. I don't. I mean, we talked about Hoagie a little bit, but I, I do like that play. I, I, the approach numbers, especially with the recent form, have been good. And we've seen the upside with him. Second at the Valero, right? Mm-hmm. I, I should probably just double check my notes. But that was recent, and we've seen upside with him. So in this field, we can see it again for sure. All right. I think the audience is nominating. Um, Patrick Scott says, 76 is just one, now three, two. Let's go. Where were you, Patrick? We just talked about that like five minutes ago. But thanks for being a part of this. Patrick is also in Win Daily Discord. He's one of our guys over at Win Daily. So make sure you go sign up. David, they still get one week for free if they're new to Win Daily, right? How do they do that? They do. Yep. There's a, a promo link just in the um, the bottom of the description there where you can find it all on my um, profile page as well. Um, and then it's just $5.99 a week if you like the product um, from there on out. So as I said, if you followed my picks for this year, you're, you're up $3,800. So um, I think you can spend $5.99 a week in order to get access to, to those picks. Just to be clear, because there's other sites out there that when you say $5.99, they might be like, that means $599, right? No, you no, mean $5.99, right? $5.99, like the price okay. of a coffee per week, and that's access to all sports. So um, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, some coffee is actually more than that. Maybe you can get a small like caramel macchiato from Starbucks uh, for $5.99, but you're spending that per day. That's for all the content. We don't just do golf. We do DFS. We do some betting, and we do it for literally every single sport. So uh, definitely check us out. All right, we got one pick to go. Did the audience, Did the is it EVR? Is EVR the guy that was nominated twice? It is EVR. Uh, Byron, Lord Byron from this, this tournament's named after Byron, Model Maniac. I don't know if people know that, but he's very famous. And he has authorized Eric Van Royen as the last pick. I haven't looked at Eric Van Royen this week. He wasn't somebody that was on my radar. But David, I know last week, EVR was on your radar and you kind of had me convinced that he was, a, he was a pretty good pick too. And it's just a week later, and it's not like an extremely like different course setup here. Are, are you back on EVR this week? I mean, maybe. Look, I think he has tremendous upside. He, when, it, when his driver's on, like he can drive it long and straight and his approach metrics are, are excellent. The, pot, the putt is also like trending into form a little bit as well. Like um, if you if you go and access either Data Golf or Rick Runk or wherever you get your stats from, like look at his putting the last five to six tournaments, it really has started to improve as well. Um, and the approach is coming back. So I think he's trending in the right direction. I, I don't know if I love it this week, um, although his, his long lines are, are pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to for, force the audience to take David Mishluzzi because I'm pretty sure he got two nominations. And that's like, that would be a ridiculous pick. But um, I, I think I'll see it and, and let you have Evia. Yeah, well, so somebody put in like four names. And so usually when you put in four names, it's like you can't really tell if it's a nomination because normally somebody will put one name or maybe two and that kind of counts. But when you put four, so yeah, somebody did kind of back it up a little bit. But I think EVR was probably the actual uh, nomination. Do you, just out of curiosity, do you like Michelisi? Is that somebody you had your eye on or no? I, I do not like Michelisi. I'd, I'd much rather have EVR than him, especially leaving sort of 600 on the table, which I think it would have. Um, I think EVR is definitely the better play. Joel, let me just say, and we can take the board down now. Um, everybody check these out. We're going to tweet them out. Um, I, I think these are good lineups across the board, but one thing I did want to point out is DT and Phoenix, Dave, thanks for being with us today. You've been super active in the chat. Everybody's active in the chat. Zach, I see you there uh, as well. A hundred, a hundred step up, steps up, up, oh, man, that's hard to say, my guy. Um, he pointed out Carson Young. 
Mm-hmm. There's a couple guys that I think I'm, I'm actually surprised didn't get drafted. I know we usually do this. We're, we're over an hour in, so we're going to get right to our first-round leaders. But I think Carson Young, I think you can go right back to him. By the way, he barely missed the cut last week. He's 6,700 this week. I still think he's undervalued. Uh, he was good on approach and with the putter last week. That's what you want here. He was just a little bad off the tee and bad around the green. So somebody to consider. And, and guys, I'm pretty surprised. Joel, let me ask you real quick before we get to our first-round leaders. I'm surprised Nate Lashley didn't get drafted. I, I think he's – I think he's going to be great. Um, are you also surprised? Is he someone in, in your player pool? Yeah, he is in my player pool. I'm surprised he didn't get drafted because of his price, especially. Like, I figured exactly. one of us would have squeezed him in for the value. But as we've been saying, right, the, there are a lot of good value plays, but he is one of them. He is a guy with upside in this field. He could have been priced higher and no one would have been. And I, I, I like Nate Lashley. I yeah, was I pl- think- Go ahead. Go I ahead, was just going to say very quickly, I was playing the ownership game at the end, and that's how I landed on Davis Thompson. But I think if you're directly comparing trying to find safety there, Lashley is definitely the better, safer play based off of that. So uh, I kind of agree with you guys that I'm surprised he didn't get picked by somebody. And you could make a strong argument that maybe it should have been me on the final pick. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even get nominated. That that was the crazy part to me. Um, and then uh, Joseph Bramlett, I know, got nominated a bunch of times, but never got actually ratified. So I think he's a good play as well. Um, Joel, are we ready to get into our first round leaders? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I'll kick us off this week. I got three and three long shots that I like this week. So I'm going to start with my own pick, Jimmy Walker at 80 to 1. Um, I like Steven Yeager at 55 to 1. And my last home run play, a guy I really like a lot this week, and we're swinging for the fences, but that's fun to do on the first round leader, and that's Kevin Chappell at 130 to 1. I had uh, considered Kevin Chappell as a long – I have a different long shot, but he was like I had to whittle down my list from like eight or nine to five. I have a, I have a feeling one of the guys that left got left out for me, Spencer's going to have. But my point is uh, I like the Kevin Chappell play. I like that number at 131. I love it. All right, Spence, who are you looking at in the first round leader market? I don't have anything officially in right now. I, I think like looking at this board from a value perspective, Scott Stallings at 70 to one is a very interesting one. I assume that's who Sia was yes. talking about. Um, yes. I don't hate Hideki at 37 to one. Like I think that's an interesting way to try to gain exposure to him and bet it on a day and see what happens there. And if he puts it together, obviously 37 to one can be a very advantageous price. For a golfer, like if you're looking at this field, I mean, he's a major championship winner. You don't have very many of those in this tournament. So I, I think Hideki can be intriguing. And then just to throw out a really random play, because we were all talking about it when uh, we were in a group chat with each other. I kind of like Justin Lauer at eight to one to come top 20. Uh, look, I mean, the current form has been atrocious and I'll let David talk about some of his findings of what he's done recently with his approach play, but it kind of goes into the same agreement that my model has, even from a long-term perspective that this course should increase his weighted proximity numbers that I have. So like, it's a dart throw at eight to one. That's fine. Like he's more likely to miss the cup, but I think there's more upside there than meets the eye. And I mean, even at like sub 1%, maybe you're pushing a little bit too hard for DFS there, but I do think he can top 20 this tournament. He certainly can miss cut also, but uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about it, David, since I know you were on him too. I, I would just notice his, his approach flies really started during the last three, and those have been like pretty high profile events as well. So, I mean, it's been the Wells Fargo, the RBC Heritage, and then the Zurich Classic, obviously just from the, the beatable rounds. Um, but with those as well, he's missed the cut 
at the Wells Fargo gaining strokes. So that means he's, he's missed the cut on the number. Same with the Zurich Classic and then the Upsea Heritage. He only lost one stroke. So he's like, he's he's right there on the cut line at some of these like high profile events. Um, I, I know that we were all on Lau in a big way last year as well. So it just feels like he's trending back in the form. The guy I was really surprised was not drafted was Aaron Rye. I, I was shocked yeah, that he was I like Rye a lot too. Taken this week. I think he profiles really well. And the putter's actually like starting to look at like even, you know, which for Aaron Rye is like kind of all that you need. Um, in terms of my first round leaders play, I'm going to give um, a few outs. So I've got Christian Bezadenhout at 66 to 1, Nate Lashley at 75 to 1, Matthew Naismith at 80 to 1, also turning into some decent form with his approach again. And Trey Mullinax at 80 to 1. David, can I ask you, did you go all morning, guys? Because I feel like a couple of those guys might have been afternoon. Yeah, and, and my final prediction for the night is that this will be a 54-hole tournament. There is severe thunderstorms across three to four days of this tournament. I don't think the PGA Tour is going to want to push this into a major championship week. They're going to want as much of the lead up to that as they possibly can. And I think that any delays, they're going to reduce this to a 54-hole leader tournament. So I think in terms of an in-play betting standpoint, that makes it really interesting in terms of if you get some wild long shot towards the top of the leaderboard and say Scotty Sheff was like four back or something, you know, the, the bookmakers aren't going to make it like they're not going to lay a huge number on Scotty Scheffler. I think that there's potentially some really good value on those first two rounds, um, just FYI. That is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it's always frustrating going into the tournament knowing that there's going to be like several thunderstorms. So hopefully somehow we can dodge that. But you're right, David. This would be the week I mean, before a major. And didn't you mention something like that's probably why we had some some withdrawals from guys who were going to be in the PGA Championship? They just didn't want to have to deal with the the issues presented with those thunderstorms. Is that right? I believe so. Hubbard, Hubbard and Smalley have just made the PGA Championship field. I think that JBJ Spawn might have as well, but can't confirm on that one. But I know for the first two that they had and then they withdrew pretty promptly. Um, and I think that's probably related to the fact that I think this will be a disrupted tournament um, with and the other fact that they've got a big a big event next week. This Joel, feels you, like this feels ahead. like a situation where Jason Day and Hideki Matsuyama are gonna jump on the first flight together and they're both gonna withdraw here. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, you gotta play players that, that are gonna want it this week, maybe. Uh this is hilarious. Uh this is how I know Mikey that I brought him over <laughs> from perhaps the early edge, because that's a betting show that we do every single day. Can we bet on it being a that's a legitimate question, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's being funny. Uh, which is just hilarious. I don't think you can bet on that, Mikey no. S. But uh, the fact that you even asked the question, uh, you belong here uh, with us. So you we, can bet we with really... David if David You're will give you on. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I'm I'm fairly confident it's going to be a first-round tournament. The odds will not be good. <laughs> wow. Well, the good news is uh, we've got some first-round leaders to give out, and hopefully, at least the first round is going to finish. Maybe not on Thursday, but I think it like tomorrow is not much of an issue, right, David? Or do you not know? Uh, it's a, I think tomorrow morning is by far the best conditions of the week, um, but there will be thunderstorms in, in my eyes every single day. M majority of Saturday, I think, is going to be ruled out, but we'll, we'll see. Gotcha. All right. So are we ready for mine? Did everybody already go? That's, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get, let's get it started. I got a couple guns at the top that are like, you know, some of the guys at the top that if you take their tournament outrights it's it's a short number but i'm going to go ahead and take the first round leader outrights because it's their numbers are basically doubled so terrell hatton at 28 to 1 tom kim at 35 to 1 Patton kazire at 90 to 1 
Nate Lashley at 100 to 1. And by the way, I'm going to adopt Spencer's Scott Stall. You know why I'm allowed to adopt? Because tomorrow, no, Thursday, May 11th, is my birthday. So I can adopt a sixth pick. So I'm going to have six first round leaders because I'm taking Spencer's Scott Stallings pick at 70 to one. So I've given you five already, including Scott Stallings. So it's Scott Stallings, Terrell Hatton, Tom Kim, Patton Kazire, Nate Lashley. However, the actual first round leader, I can't believe I'm saying it. I feel like it's going to be Patton Kazire somehow, but the definite 100% lock first round leader, and I'm not being facetious or sarcastic at all. Your first round leader, at the AT&T, Byron Nelson, on Thursday, two days from now, none other than Christian Bezadenhout. Yes. At yes. 65, or in David's case, 66 to 1. That's the easy button play. He's oh, going to be your first round leader. It's Cbez all day at the AT&T. There you have it. There you have it. I wasn't even on Cbez first first round leader, and I couldn't be more confident that he is going to be the first round leader when we end the day on Thursday. Don't forget, before we leave, give us a follow. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. Good luck this week. Should be a fun tournament and a nice warm-up before we get back into the majors and back into the serious playing fields. Have some fun this week. Anything that I might be forgetting. Love the chat. You guys are so active. Mikey, uh, love DT in Phoenix. Uh, are you in, is he in New Zealand, David? Because he says it's May, it'll be May 12th here. See, I, is he in Australia or something? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe you can tell us. Zach Jeffers says a double mortgage bet. Cbez first round leader. Obviously, maybe a triple mortgage bet. Sia bought some South African weed strain or something this week. Uh, like button hammer. Thank you. Next week, we're, it's going to be the PGA Championship, by the way. So we're going to have a special guest on, of course. So everybody, you got to come back. You got to retweet the show. You got to hit the like button. Let's make sure next week's show absolutely explodes. Um, he means his birthday is May 12th. Okay, Patrick, that makes more sense. Okay, I thought he was in a different time zone or something. All right, happy birthday almost. Listen, how does Cbez not hit first round leader? It's my birthday. It's just the perfect narrative. I'm kind of the first round leader guy. I get to have a first round leader pick on day one of the AT&T Byron Nelson. On a and guy you never bet. Never on a guy I never bet. That's right, Spencer. And you and I picked the winner last week, and we both on CBS first round leader this week. Like, oh it's fake. It's meant to be. Guys. It's a pod play now. We all have to be on it. We have to be on this it. This is a quintuple mortgage play, folks. It is. This is a. This is as surefire as it comes. All right. There's only one thing left to do, of course, and that's sports. <laughs>